Los Angeles, everybody wants to be star. You have to be the best and never give up. When I get up on stage in front of people, all I can think about is, what if they laugh at me? But you, man, you're fearless. I want to feel that too. I don't care. I'll do it. You and me, we both have this dream. Yeah, I guess we do. <laughs> and we'll be famous. We'll show them. Watch out, here we go. To be or not to be. It's not going to happen for you. Not in a million years. But after that, this town, Greg, they don't want me. Wish we could just make our own movie. A great idea. So there's this guy, Johnny, a true American hero to be played by me. He has it all. Good luck, many friends. And also, maybe Johnny is vampire. We'll see. This set of the alleyway looks exactly like the real alleyway. That's right. Well, why don't we just shoot in the real alleyway? Because it's a real Hollywood movie. No, yeah, sounds good. OK, action. I did not hit her. I did not. Oh, hi, Mark. But the, it doesn't work if you're looking at the camera. And then this beautiful girl. Anything for my princess. She betrayed him. And then this guy, Johnny. He go crazy. Nobody respect my vision. You are a villain. I do this whole movie for you, Greg. You are tearing me apart, Lisa. Why you cut, Sandy? This is great. This is real acting. If you're going to ride around with the dress, maybe do it before you shoot yourself in the head and blow your brains out. I disagree. You're really going to make this thing? We are going to go together. Tommy, this is not necessary. No, very necessary. I need to show my ass to sell this movie. I think you're aiming a little bit. I am what I am. Just do the scene. Why is he having sex with her belly button? He knows where her vagina is, right? Hi, doggy. Hi, guys. We just watched The Disaster Artist. Um, and I'm here with... Uh, oh, hi. I'm Neil. Oh, hi. I'm Michael. And I'm Dave Klingerman. I'll be moderating. Uh, the Disaster Artist, uh, for those that don't know, is made a movie made about the making of The Room, which is arguably the worst movie ever made. Uh, it was written by Greg Sestero, who is a co-star. Um, Tommy Wiseau wrote, directed, and produced The Room. Um, and The Disaster Artist stars Tommy... I'm sorry. Um, James Franco. James Franco. And what was his brother's name? Dave? Dave Franco. And Alison Brie. And Alison Brie, and uh, Brian Cranston was in it, and Seth Rogen was in it. And Sheer. Yeah. Uh, a few other people. And so. <laughs> yeah, and it actually, this movie itself was written and directed by James Franco. Right. Uh, but it's a movie about a movie. Right. Written, directed, and produced by the great auteur, uh, Tommy <laughs> Wiseau. <laughs> Who, oh who, who's, who's from Louisiana, we think. Yeah, very James Carville-like, I thought. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> very Creole. Because when, whenever you hear him talk, you know, you, you think that he's from uh, Louisiana. <laughs> so, <laughs> Disaster Artist is all about the making of this movie, and it's, it's hysterical. Um, the book was also very well, very, very funny. 
written by Greg Sestero, as I mentioned. And a ghostwriter. Was there a ghostwriter? There was a second okay. writer on it, I'm not uh, but I don't remember his name. Okay. Um, yeah, but it's, it's a very funny book, and it made for a very funny movie as well. Very entertaining. Way more entertaining than the movie that it's based on. <laughs> yes, it's a high bar to reach, man. It, it's a really high bar, though. The, the movie, the movie is perversely entertaining, but you really have to have a taste for schlock, and even beyond schlock, like just pure it's passionate, passionate, masochism. Passionate masochism. Right. Passionately <laughs> bad filmmaking. Passionism. Yes. It's its own genre. It is. Tommy made it. He didn't mean to. The, the room has become like a Rocky Horror kind of thing with audience participation. They throw spoons at the screen, they yell stuff uh, during various scenes in the movie. The chanting, go, 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 while the, they're panning along the bridge. Well, you, you, know, you know, I actually think that San Francisco is a major character in this film because there are just so many, like, sh beautiful shots of, of the city that, you know, are just popping and out randomly. And I think, I think there's a deep symbolism. <laughs> I'm surprised San Francisco let itself sign a waiver and be involved in the film at all. I know. Well, I mean, idea. I mean, I mean, that city's been in weird places, you know. That's true. <laughs> the first five minutes of the the actual room itself, I thought it was full house. Had the exact same pan shots. It's clearly inspired. I, I think so. I, I think there are a lot of inspirations on this film. You know, I would credit uh, Full House with a little of this. Yeah, full House and and James Dean and. Uh, <laughs> yes. Uh, um, Tennessee Williams. Guys? Tennessee Williams. Yeah, Tennessee Williams. It, it has the passion of it a Tennessee Williams streetcar. Yeah, yeah. Streetcar named Desire. Or Cat on a Hot Tune Roof. The, yeah. the disaster artist is a lot about how big a jerk Tommy Wiseau is, and how very, very strange of a human being he is. We're not entirely sure if he is a human being. <laughs> yeah, but that's to be debated. Yeah, <laughs> but but you know he he inhabits this planet and uh, takes on a certain form, and uh, this is the the creature that we know, this vaguely vampire-looking uh, guy who has a face that may have gone through multiple plastic surgeries. <laughs> We don't know. We don't know where he comes from. fucking times. I don't know. Yeah. And it, it, even this movie is like, we don't know where he comes from. And the whole movie, like, they're just, like, talking all the time about, where are you from? What are you doing? And he's like, uh, never, never talk about me. It's always his answer. Yeah. So, Mr. He refuses to say anything about himself. Yep. So, Mr. Vampire goes around. He has unlimited money. He buys out a whole studio. Yeah. And he buys, like, not just one camera, but two. Well, the, they need to really show the passion of filmmaking, you know. <laughs> I think I think in the book it mentioned something about he wanted to do 3D. And somehow he thought that he would be able to get that effect. <laughs> By mixing 35 millimeter, millimeter and HD? HD. <laughs> no, what he put together was just two really bad movies that were shot. One slightly better than the other. And we watched the Blu-ray this afternoon, and it's even more apparent on that. And I think I've seen the DVD. Yeah, yeah, like the quality the past, like switches, and you know, I I was involved when I was uh, in high school on an amateur film project from a guy who actually is like working out in Hollywood now, and. Uh, and what what happened is is that we had both digital and uh, um, analog. Well, it was vi videotape. Okay. Digital and videotape, sure. and on that film, it was even more obvious. So I, I guess I guess Rousseau is a little more advanced than some high school kid, you know, trying to do an amateur movie over his summer, you know. 
Uh, but I mean, he had a professional studio helping him. Yeah, he doesn't. The people he hired had more talent than the (laughs) right. And I think that's part of why the room is what it is because it really shouldn't look as good as it does. No, no, and if you watch like like we say, it's like production value. Yeah, I know, and even that's kind of questionable. It, it is. Well, I mean, the camera does unfocus periodically. Like that's everybody true. behind it, like is obviously not caring. Yeah. If you're prone to get headaches, don't watch it. Uh, other other than Musso himself, Musso, this is his passion. This is his love. This is his life. Yeah. Making this shitty little movie. He's had a terrible life. Yeah. He, it, it said that he actually ran it for two weeks. It ran on one screen for I don't know how long. <laughs> two uh, weeks, I thought. But yeah, he said it. Yeah, it ran for two weeks so that he could get an Oscar, like be so he could be qualified for the qualified Academy Awards. For the Academy yeah. Awards, yeah. yeah. As well, he should have. <laughs> and, and amazingly, he bought out this billboard along like one of the busy freeways in LA, and that had to be really expensive. It was and up it, there it for shows like his, ten years. Yeah, right? it was up there for like ten it was up there years. Until a couple years ago. Yeah, yeah, and it has his like it has his weird face you know glaring <laughs> at you and a phone number about about this thing and it kind of looks like if Danzig would throw a meat grinder that's yeah. kind of what he looks like <laughs> and then they just try to like tape him back together that's Tommy Wiseau so th- there is actually one line in the in the room where Sestero and Sestero is like like one of the nicest human beings ever yeah, like I've yeah, actually he... seen him in person and met him and signed a copy of the disaster artist for me seems like a nice guy I don't know how he puts up with Tommy Wiseau yeah and uh, he's just, he's like this he's like this interpreter who can you know understand and decode Tommy Wiseau and and make sense out of him and I I think the movie. I'll, I'll be honest. One critique I had of the movie is that uh, Franco, James Franco's brother, uh, yeah, he, he didn't have enough earnestness to him. Like, like the real Sestero, like, has this sort of earnestness that makes you feel like he might actually be like kind of a decent person. I got uh, that vibe. I thought that they've made that clear. He did. He did. But it's not at the level of Sestero, you know. Yeah, and someone else. Um, that we chatted with earlier said they thought that Dave and James Franco looked too similar to each other and that oh, really, so. that really ruined it for her. I think, I think James looked pretty messed up. Yeah. I thought he looked like Tommy. Yeah, I, I thought mean, he looked like Tommy too, yeah. They could only do so much, but I feel like yeah. I feel like there, there was enough of a differentiator. I think it yeah, really I agree I think too. felt pure. Yeah, well, one of the most interesting parts of the film is where they actually like compare side by side their version of The Room versus the original The Room. Yeah. Uh, and it, I, I think it sort of shows you the process of filmmaking. Uh, and how they were able to like take this really awful schlocky piece of film and very faithfully recreate every little awful quirk. They did, yeah, right, really down to the smallest detail. The yeah, of it. they really and, did. Yeah, I, I really, I really think, I really think Franco just nailed it. Yeah, he really wanted to honor the truth of it. Yeah, well, honor the vision. It, yeah, both. Right, and the. Um, so, I mean, th- this film itself is, is kind of interesting because a lot of it is about all these, like, Hollywood dreams and, like, sort of myth of Hollywood and how two people, against all odds, make it happen. I mean... Uh, for, for better or worse. Better or, <laughs> uh, you know, better or worse. Uh, and, uh, you know, any, any sort of thoughts on that, you know? I thought it was interesting that... You know, the mom didn't put up more of a fight, whether that's true or not. But in the movie, she didn't. That her 19-year-old son was going with some sort of ageless 
vampire Peter Steele Danzig, you know, <laughs> being being beaten to death with a bat for a week kind of guy, uh, and go just going to L.A. eight hours away with him and living with him. I yeah. thought that that was just I mean, that the mom. Hopefully, the real mom put up a lot of a fight. Yeah, she's But trying. the movie mom sure as hell didn't. No. After five minutes, she's like, well, guess you're going to go live with no, no, vampire. No, no, no. In and the book, roast she puts up a lot more of a fight. Okay, I couldn't yeah. remember. She did. Okay, she good. did. In the book, in the book, she was really angry. And another thing they explained in the book, part of her anger was that she had tried to make it in Hollywood, and she couldn't make it. Uh, so... And it, just to be, be just to be informative, I've only read about half the book, so um, you know that's sort of where uh, a lot of her anger comes from. Not necessarily uh, dealing with uh, um, you know Sestero leaving. It's more you're doing the wrong thing, Greg. Right. Uh, and then it's doubly so that that he's going out with this like crazy vampire guy. Yeah. Maybe in the movie they should have made her more resistful then, because she really wasn't in the movie. I, I feel I feel like she was totally a um, I feel like she was totally kind of glossed over. She was, yeah. If she, if it, that's the one scene that she wasn't felt forced. Yeah. Anyways, we just wanted to give you guys some dead air there for a second. <laughs> do you feel awkward yet? Yeah, you do. So yeah. Yay, Chicago cafe culture. Yeah, we're doing this in a diner, by the way. (laughs) Guys are listening to a couple of the dopes in a diner. Yeah, congratulations. And, you know, winter hours are the bane of the existence in Chicago. I know this is way off topic. Please edit this out. (laughs) Or you could leave it in. Leave it in. Yeah, you could. Be like Tommy. Use every scene. Use every bit you film. We can talk for 20 minutes. Neil can talk for 20 minutes about cafe culture in Chicago. And how it sucks. But anyways. Anyways, back to Disaster Artist. But we digress. Um, yeah. Yeah, she she really... It seemed like... The way the movie portrayed it, it seemed like Greg had sort of made up his mind what he was going to do. And there wasn't any really way... It wasn't any way that her, his mother could really stop him. No, but like I hope she put up more than three minutes of a fight. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. The book she did. I mean, I, I, mean, I don't know. Was, if my 19-year-old kid was going to run away with some fucking Dracula homeless-looking <laughs> motherfucker, I would have been like, uh-uh. No, 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 no. no. A, We're going to talk about this. In a, what, no, 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 no. He was he was in a, a Mercedes, a top of the Mercedes. Yeah. yeah. So it was a nice car, but still, the whole thing was just fucking. That weird. Maybe it could look creepier. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Does he have like a sugar? Why is a walking roast beef dragging yeah, dragon a Mercedes? Yeah, but the movie, like the movie they do a good job of like emphasizing how creepy he is because he calls him Babyface. Yeah. Which I don't think he called him in the book that, but I don't, I don't remember reading that. I don't remember reading that, but at the same time, like. I think I think one of the interesting things about book adaptations is that you know they find ways to do shorthands in order to make it in the film because you in a book you can like explain 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 right when you're doing a movie you have to show 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 right and you know sometimes it you lose some nuance but it also makes it like easier to follow you don't want to like see somebody on screen talking ad nauseum about something or else you get the room. <laughs> oh, I don't know. I think they cut it pretty short in the room. <laughs> Another thing they really didn't go into that the book went into were some of the... There were lots of casting issues. Lots of turnaround. I think they went through like three different camera crews at least. 
We know they went through two Peters. Yes, they did go through two Peters. We all but, know that. Like the camera crew they had at the end when they were just driving around San Francisco. Yeah. I remember them talking about that. And of course, Tommy was so because he never answers anything normally. He's just like, eh, maybe. Let's let's go. The second crew. <laughs> yeah. If the movie is true, then they did really question Tommy a lot. They maybe that might have pissed him off. True. Especially the Paul Shear character that really challenged him. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. The, that they went. The book went into that kind of stuff. So that might have been. That might have explained the San Francisco crew. Yeah. 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 But and the, which the film credits as second unit. Yeah. <laughs> but um, oh, I mean, it, it's just so interesting because you know he actually paid enough money that an entire professional film crew worked with him. Yeah. <laughs> uh, put up with him. So it was a lot of money that he paid for mm-hmm. them to put up with him. But the guy who actually like directed most of the room and made it semi competent. Uh, like, there's been footage of him saying, hey guys, I'm the reason why this stupid film exists. Uh, thank you very much. <laughs> oh, and that the reason that it's still being watched, that's all your fault. Right, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he's not wrong. Yeah. We probably shouldn't have watched this. We basically wasted our day. <laughs> we kind of did. We kind of did. But I, I think really understanding the passion that goes into filmmaking and, and following the Hollywood American dream. Follow your dreams, you know. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> I mean, Not all of them. It's worked out pretty well for Greg Sestero, really. It, it did. Follow your dreams unless a, you're bad. Then don't follow your dreams. It gave him a career as a B-movie film actor. Yeah. It did. So he gets money, yeah. you know. And he, 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 out of all the actors that are on that thing, Sestero is the one that, that's probably the least bad. Yeah, I, I don't mind giving him my money. I'm buying his book and going to the signing and stuff like that. He put up with a lot to do that. Yeah, so. absolutely. Yeah. More power to him. Yeah, I don't know if the story uh, about Brian Cranston, I don't know if that was a real thing. I don't think it was in the book. It's possible that that's just something they added in to the movie. Uh, Brian's just a huge up. fan of the room. <laughs> hey, you never know. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I mean, knowing knowing how much of a goofball Brian Cranston is, uh, you know. Tommy Wise was Breaking Bad. <laughs> <laughs> I want to do drug. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> Any well, drug for my princess. Any drug for my princess. Uh, you That's know, lo- love is blind. <laughs> yeah, there were there were a few things. Granted, it's been a while since I read the book, but there are a few things that I didn't remember. I'm not sure if they just made them up or if Greg Sestero added them in later. I don't know. I don't know, more dead air for you. Yep, exactly. I don't know. I'm <laughs> not watching You're anything. <laughs> what? But anyways, keep I'm going. looking at the microphone. Yeah, I am oh, too. Okay. okay, we'll edit this part <laughs> out. Please Sorry edit this part out. <laughs> Please. I'm not looking at anything in particular. <laughs> right. I'm just going to stare at you now the rest of the time. Right, exactly. And I think it's going to be kind of awkward. <laughs> now you, you, know, you, know, though, you know, though, this, this film is pretty uh, self-explanatory. I, I don't know if there's, like, a huge amount that we can discuss uh, that looks a little deeper into the film. Um, you know. I mean, we, we can talk about the, the room a little more. Uh, well, yeah, I don't... 
mean, I mean, I mean, I, I, I do think that the, the main themes are about like just perseverance and yeah, and I mean, it's pretty, it's a pretty basic film. It's I think I think where this film really shines is in in comedy and yeah. comedic timing and impersonations and acting and you know what I mean, sort of this um, being a meta film, being a film about yeah. a film. Um, yeah, is really where it, it's kind of interesting uh, and funny, um, you know, and uh, just showing like at the beginning of the movie, like Sestero is actually kind of nervous and unconfident, and he meets this guy who's like terrible, horrible human being, but he is so incredibly confident that yeah. it inspires. But the reason he's so confident is because he doesn't care about anybody else. Whereas Greg cares too much, right? Like everyone else thinks, right? <laughs> and that and that creates this bizarre like best friendship that yeah. happens, and it's weird how the room itself is sort of a parallel between the relationship of Sestero with uh, uh, so in a sense. Except for like the room just like enters we so land and like does it in a way that makes no sense. But ultimately, the film is supposed to be about friendship. And the complexities of friendship. I, I mean, think they nailed it, that. Yeah, and it, it, if it was done by a more competent filmmaker, you could sort of, you could almost sort of see what Wiseau's vision of it was if he was a normal human being. Yeah. <laughs> when you look at that film, they made him as human as they could without him really being a human. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I know. We should probably just start doing some final thoughts. If we had any, I, I don't know what else we can talk yeah, about. Yeah, I, I don't know what else we, I can talk about either. I think we should maybe it's, just it's wrap it up. Pretty straightforward. Yeah. Yeah. Um, anybody have any final thoughts about the I, movie or? I mean, if you were intrigued about how the room was made or how weird Tommy really is, I would go see the Disaster Artist because James Franco nails it. Yeah. True and true. Yeah. Yeah. Every I mean, detail, every mannerism, the look, everything. This is really a movie that's about acting, and if you really want to see like somebody play a very unusual personality and just nail it, this is a good movie. Good movie for that. It's a good movie just to have some laughs, just to understand like some of the weird personalities that create some of the most eccentric and bizarre but oddly enjoyable kind of movies if you have a certain personality. Yeah, there's a certain charm to something that strange. <laughs> yeah, and uh, you know, I, I would prefer a movie that strange to a just bland, mediocre, boring movie. Right. A bad movie that's strange and fun is better than a boring movie, and this is a film really that's sort of a love letter to anybody that likes those kind of films. Yeah, I think so, yeah. I mean, I, I would rather see bad people try to do their very best than, than well-known people just, you know, phone it in sometimes, and this is one of those times. Yeah. Agreed. Um, okay, so to wrap things up, does anyone have any recommendations for the things you've seen recently that you would recommend? No? Uh, well, Alison Brie, who's in, uh, who's in Disaster Artist, is also in Glow, so if you haven't seen that yet, that is a fantastic Netflix show. Oh, yeah, I watched part of it. Watched it is of it fantastic. <laughs> it's so fun. I've enjoyed the little bit I saw. It's so fun. Mark Maron plays Mark Maron. It's great. <laughs> it's super great. It's a lot of fun. All right. Well, I think that uh, that wraps up this episode. So, 
Stay tuned, same bat time, same bat channel. So we won't say that again. I know. Alright. So, bye guys. You've been film punched. <laughs> bye guys. Film punch.